Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Week Critique Podcast, the weekly podcast that hasn't been released in a few months. <laughs> um, I'm back today with maybe our most frequently appearing guest, I think, Casey Marks, my brother. Hello, once again. Um, today, we decided to record so we can talk about a lot of things that we find pretty exciting, like uh, some new video game and movie releases, and also... Um, there's been a recent PlayStation Direct where they announced a lot of interesting games that we want to talk about. And I think we'll also fit in a round of our Gaglines trivia game. So, looking forward to it. So, um, just in general, I wanted to give like a brief update about the podcast. I, like I mentioned, it has been a while since we recorded last. And um, I'm sorry if this is a podcast that you enjoy listening to I really appreciate it and I've been pretty busy in the past and haven't had a lot of time to record but I actually should have more time to put out more episodes so even if it's not weekly or even bi-weekly I'd like to at least get out a new episode every month starting now so hopefully we will have a more regular podcast going forward I know I've said that a lot in the past we'll see so uh speaking of future podcasts there are a few specials we have planned that we want to uh, be able to record. Like, there's the upcoming Dune movie, and Casey's already read through the whole Dune book. I'm planning on it before the movie comes out. We're going to do a Dune special all about the book, the multiple movie adaptations, the different board games that exist for Dune. We want to make, like, sort of a comprehensive deep dive into the Dune mythos, I guess, without necessarily going into the details of all the sequels necessarily like the of the extended book series because there are a lot okay that said we've also got a time loop special planned mainly because this year has in my mind been the year of time loop games we've had four major time loop related video games that i can think of off the top of my head there was returnal the playstation exclusive where it's a roguelike with a time loop integrated at its core the forgotten city which is sort of a narrative um time loop puzzle game based on an award-winning Skyrim mod. 12 Minutes, the Annapurna Interactive game starring Daisy Ridley, James McAvoy, and Willem Dafoe uh, in sort of a point-and-click style time loop puzzle game. And finally, Deathloop, the new Arcane Leon production where you're sort of an assassin on an island trying to break the time loop and uh, kill, I think, eight primary targets. So... That said, let's get started with this episode. We're going to be talking about some of the more major announcements of the recent PlayStation Showcase. I'm not going to bring up all the announcements because some of them are things I don't know a lot about or that just don't interest me as much, or things that they've even talked about in the past, like I think they showed off the Guardians of the Galaxy game again, and Deathloop had another teaser trailer, although that's actually been released by now, so we'll, we'll be talking about that a little more later. But the reason um, this is really interesting to us, specifically, is we both recently managed to order PlayStation 5s finally after trying for, like, it feels like about a year now I've been trying to get my hands on a PS5 and I finally ordered one. I, I'm not sure when it's going to get delivered, but we have a lot of games that we're excited to play and then talk about on the podcast. And you you two are pretty excited about the PS5, right, Casey? I am, yeah. Very excited. A yeah. lot of games I want to play. Yeah, exactly. Um... But we both really want to play Deathloop, yeah. Returnal, which we mentioned earlier, several other games. I think um, another future podcast might be like a sort of a year review of the two major next-gen release 
consoles after we've gotten the chance to put some time into the PS5. Right. Because I've had um, an Xbox Series X for a while, gotten the time to play it. It is certainly more powerful than the previous generation. There haven't been a lot of exciting exclusives yet, which is sort of kind of been the theme with Xbox and PlayStation over the last generation is that um, there just haven't been like enough good exclusives for Xbox. But hopefully with some more uh, studio acquisitions recently, their first-party lineup will get a lot stronger in the coming years. Yep. So, on to that PlayStation Direct. One of the first major announcements was the announcement of a remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which is a famous uh, Star Wars RPG made by Bioware, the team that made the Dragon Age games, the, the Mass Effect games. And this is a lot of people's favorite Star Wars game. Uh, I tried actually back in the day to play like a copy from the original Xbox and the gameplay was just really dated so I didn't Mm. get too far in it but I'm looking forward to playing through this game because it sounds like it has a very interesting story. Um, Unfortunately I've had like sort of the ending spoiled for me but um, (laughs) I can say that it goes to a very interesting place and I'm excited to actually play through it with hopefully more modern graphics and um, mechanics. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I mean, I didn't even play the Jedi Fallen Order game, but I've heard it's very good. Yeah, I I certainly enjoyed the combat in that game. Um, I got a little bored from, like, it sort of borrowed, like, a Dark Souls-style, Metroidvania-style world traversal system, Mm -hmm. which I think didn't lend itself super great to that game, and the environments themselves were not very interesting. I got lost a lot. I I have thoughts on that game. But I think overall that was like a 7 out of 10 for me. I know Jacob liked it more. But uh, moving on from that, they're remastering Alan Wake, which is a game from Remedy, the studio that made also Quantum Break and Control most recently. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I really want to play this Alan Wake remaster because I never got the chance to play the original. And also they reference certain events from Alan Wake in Control. It's a shared universe, and one of the Control DLCs, which I haven't played yet, is specifically about Alan Wake. It's interesting, okay. it'll be interesting to go back and play that game again before I play the DLCs for Control, because that was one of my favorite games in 2019. I think it was my second favorite game. They also released a new trailer for Ghostwire Tokyo at the PlayStation Showcase. This is a sort of Japanese paranormal game where you get, like, mythic powers and um, have to battle like yokai and ghosts in modern day tokyo i believe uh it looks really interesting this is another bethesda game interestingly if you've been following the news with video games in the last year or so you'll know that uh, microsoft actually acquired bethesda so going forward a lot of their releases are going to be xbox exclusive that said ghostwire tokyo and deathloop had already been signed as playstation exclusive games so we've got Games coming from an Xbox first-party studio that are exclusive to the PlayStation. That's a little interesting. It is. (laughs) But this game looks pretty cool. I know there was a lot of hype around the former creative director who had sort of a fun, um, endearing stage presence um, at some of the previous Bethesda conferences before they were owned by Microsoft. That said, I believe she left the studio, so I haven't followed it super closely, but I think there was a little controversy around the studio environment. And she left to work on some indie project. But I'm certainly interested to see how that game will turn out because it looks very interesting from the trailers. Yeah, it does. Uh, You and I both like Radiohead. Yep. The band. Mm -hmm. One of the things they announced at this showcase was a Kid A Amnesia. (laughs) That's kind of weird to pronounce. A little bit, Virtual exhibition. So if you're unaware, the Kid A Amnesia is like a sort of combination of Radiohead's Kid A and Amnesiac 
albums Mm -hmm. and a new release that they're doing uh, sort of across all mediums where they're also including a full track listing of unreleased tracks from those original recordings. So we're going to get new Radiohead music and also PlayStation is partnering with Epic Games, the creators of Fortnite, (laughs) to deliver some sort of like virtual museum exhibition featuring some of the art done for those albums and Maybe it'll be paired with the music. The trailer didn't really get across no, much yeah. of what this is, but I am incredibly curious to see what this is. Me too. I don't really know what it could be, but I'm excited. When I first saw it, I was hoping it would be something along the lines of like an interactive album, because after playing Sayonara Wild Hearts, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite games from a year or two ago, I, I'm really craving more interactive albums, because I just love that as a concept where you can like really immerse yourself in the music while doing some simple gameplay actions. That said, I don't think that's what this will be. Having read a little bit more about it, it seems like it'll be more of like a virtual museum, hopefully with the music integrated in some interesting way. One of the next interesting announcements was that we had a new trailer from Insomniac, the mm-hmm. studio behind the Ratchet and Clank games and the recent Spider-Man games. Yes where we open on the scene of a bar and a lot of people on the ground after a presumable bar fight. Mm -hmm. And then we see the back of a man in a 10-gallon hat and a flannel. It pans around to the front of him. You see the claws on sheets. And it's the announcement of a Wolverine game from Insomniac Games. Now, this is just a cinematic teaser trailer. We don't know anything about this game. But that sounds pretty fun to me. I, I'm really yeah. looking forward to a Wolverine game from Insomniac. I mean, they have such an incredible pedigree. For sure. And Wolverine is one of the the best X-Men, I would say, like, represented in the movies. Like, Wolverine was a very good movie. and Logan, too. Uh, Logan, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the Wolverine Logan movie Wolverine. was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Logan was definitely better. Right. So that that's exciting. And then... We also, after that sort of like bait and switch, we got a Spider-Man 2 trailer for yeah. the follow-up to their um, 2018 Spider-Man game and the subsequent Miles Morales game. I actually haven't gotten the chance to play Miles Morales yet because I've been waiting to play it on a PS5, but Spider-Man was one of my favorite games in 2018. I think it was my second or third favorite game from 2018, and so I'm really looking forward to this. It's not totally clear from the trailer whether... It's going to be single player because in the trailer we see Spider-Man and Miles Morales Mm -hmm. fighting together. So a lot of people are speculating that maybe it's a co-op game. I think that's an interesting idea if it lends itself well to the gameplay. I don't know. It has Venom, right? Yeah. That looks cool. The trailer also teases Venom and I think Kraven the Hunter was the one speaking in like the Russian accent. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have played Spider-Man and Miles Morales and uh, I just was very surprised to see that they're already making another game yeah it's exciting i'm i'm really looking forward to playing that and then finally the playstation showcase ended on probably their biggest announcement which was like a full gameplay trailer for god of war ragnarok oh yeah the follow-up to the 2018 god of war reboot which i thought was an incredible game i i'm maybe not as hot on it as a lot of people i think it was probably like a nine out of ten for me it's still really good though. which yeah still an incredible game it wasn't quite my game of the year i i preferred red dead redemption 2 that year but uh, i'm really looking forward to the sequel and it showed off some new elements of the norse mythology it showed off thor in that yeah. trailer sort of i mean this is kind of a spoiler for the end of god of war one but um there's like a post-credit scene basically that you have to access in a specific way where it shows thor 
like showing up at Kratos in Atreus's home. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they teased that at the end of the first game. Is it just like a silhouette or something? Because I know a lot of people are talking about how they don't like the new Thor design, but I, I think it showed like him from it. behind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like with his hammer. But yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see that game. Um, the first game was like one of the most cinematic video games I've ever played. It manages to sort of seamlessly integrate cutscenes and gameplay with zero cuts or transitions whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, it's all one unbroken shot, assuming you don't like go into menus or die, I guess, because those force like reloads or whatever. But the game manages to be super seamless in that way where it's just kind of one unbroken shot throughout the entire thing, seamlessly integrating those cutscenes, which was really, really cool and novel for a game. Made it a much more interesting narrative experience. And also there's some great writing in that game. Um, I'm really interested in seeing where they go with the Kratos-Atreus relationship because they tease something sort of interesting at the end of that game. He's like a teenager now, right? Yeah, he's a little older. Um, you haven't played the first God of War yet. I haven't, I'm, but I really want to. Yeah, you're planning on it as soon as you get your PS5, right? Yeah, probably like one of the first games I play. Yeah. Uh, quick side note, what are some of the games you're most excited to play? Not even exclusively next-gen games, but some of the PS4 games you may have missed out on in the previous generation. Yeah, so I did play both Spider-Man games and Persona 5. I didn't finish it. It's a very big game, so I might get Royal at some point. But I do really want to play Ghost of Tsushima that director's cut and what else there's horizon horizon forbidden west is the sequel to zero dawn and i want to play both of those games really badly yep i've heard like they're some of the best games out there that it was a competition between legend of zelda breath of the wild and horizon zero dawn and i want to see what the big fuss is about i've heard it's really good yeah it was really good i think it was kind of overshadowed by breath of the wild because they came out pretty close to each other and then Breath of the Wild just kind of absorbed all the conversation around that time. Mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn was a very fun game, but it didn't innovate much as far as the open world like formula. It was very similar to a lot of those classic Ubisoft games, like in the in the vein of like a Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. Same same thing with Ghost of Tsushima, although I thought that had a more interesting world and combat and narrative than some of those other games, which sort of set it apart and made it. One of my favorite games from last year. Um, So moving on, we want to talk about some recent releases. We'll get to movies and do sort of a review of the movies that we've already seen from 2021. But first, we're going to talk about a couple of releases recently in the video game space. And those are both Annapurna Interactive games. The first one was 12 Minutes, which we mentioned earlier. And it's about a time loop where um, it's about this married couple. James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley voice them. And you're playing the James McAvoy character uh, entering your apartment. It's got sort of a top-down view Mm -hmm. and a point-and-click gameplay. But the central conceit is that uh, you're celebrating um, your wife. And I'm I'm going to share minor spoilers, but this is all stuff that you learn in the first loop. So in the first, like, few minutes of the game. Your wife surprises you with the announcement that she's pregnant. And then all of a sudden, this man who claims to be a police officer busts down the door, and kills you and your wife. Yeah, I think that was actually in the trailer, if I'm it not was. mistaken. It was, yeah. So, basically, the whole point of this game is to try to uncover why this man is breaking in, why he's killing you, and how you can prevent it by interacting with just the several objects that are around your apartment. And I found that to be a really interesting gameplay conceit, and I really enjoyed this game for the first few hours, and then 
I think the story goes some places that I wasn't super happy with. Um, overall, the interactions between the characters feel pretty limited, and there are a lot of really janky animations um, of just like people walking through each other or into each other. The like interactions with different objects in the environment feel really robotic and like stiff movement-wise. And then as far as like dialogue, you'll find items and like have the super serious like conversation and then you can be like hey do you want to have dessert and it just feels like super um forced yeah it feels like it's not supernatural i guess not supernatural it doesn't feel natural the way that some of these things like dialogue threads interweave and overall felt kind of clunky and then there's been, like, kind of a big Kotaku article about the end of the game. Don't read it if you want to play this game and don't want to be spoiled. But basically, it goes to a really weird place. And I thought there were some there are some more interesting resolutions earlier in the game where it sort of teases, like, Oh, you did it. Congratulations. Oh, wait, no, the day restarts again. And I thought those would have actually been better endings for this game. I thought they were more satisfying than the true ending, which felt just kind of, like wacky i don't know it I, di- I didn't love the ending of this game that said on a more positive note the artful escape is a new annapurna interactive game that came out very recently about the nephew of a famous folk singer sort of like a fictionalized version of bob dylan and he's living in this idyllic colorado town basically living in the shadow of his uncle because he's growing up as a folk musician himself the plot um has him about to perform at this festival dedicated to his uncle. He's about to perform in front of a live audience for the first time as a folk musician. And then the whole game is about him going through this sort of identity crisis where he's realizing that that's just not who he is. He doesn't want to be a folk musician. He gets swept up in these sort of like space opera, insane rock anthems. And the gameplay itself is very simple. It's mostly just side-scrolling and jumping. And you hold down, like, the X button on Xbox to just wail on your guitar. And you're going through these insanely, like, trippy, psychedelic, like, alien environments. And I I just really, really love the acting and writing in this game. I think it tells a really interesting coming-of-age story for this character going through his identity crisis. And whereas 12 Minutes had, like, an insane cast, Mm -hmm. I think the direction and acting in this game are actually better. Wow. Because I, I, I like all three of those actors that were in 12 Minutes, but I think the delivery of some of those lines wasn't great. I, I don't, I'm not blaming those actors. I think maybe the direction, the direction could have been better. Yeah. And the way that they just sort of piece together all of those things as a result of like the, the time loop structure makes a lot of it feel disjointed, I guess. But in this game, The Artful Escape, the dialogue is incredible. It also has some pretty big, vo- um, pretty big names. It has Jason Schwartzman. Mark Strong, um, who else? It has Carl Weathers as one of the main characters. So also some very good uh, talent as far as the acting, but I, I thought the narrative in this game is a lot stronger. I haven't finished it yet, I'll say. I'm about halfway through, but I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Nice. Now, I think we're going to get on to the movies we've seen this year. Okay, let's do it. So we're not going to talk about all the movies that have come out this year that we've seen, because it's kind of a lot. Yep. Um, we are going to talk about the state of superhero movies in 2021, and then in sort of our traditional style, after 
the end of the year, maybe in January or February, we'll do like a full recap on all of our favorite movies from the year. Sounds good. Um, just a few highlights to like off the bat. Um, Pig, I really enjoyed the Nicolas Cage movie about a man who is sort of on. I mean, it's sort of frames like it's a revenge mission to get his truffle pig back mm-hmm. after it gets kidnapped or pignapped, I guess. Um, the Green Knight, Dev Patel fantasy epic yep. in a very untraditional indie <laughs> style. So trippy. Yeah. Um, don't go in expecting this to be Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, you will be disappointed and very shocked, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Incredible. But if... Uh, sorry, real quick. Inside Bo Burnham's um, new musical comedy special, special yeah. was very entertaining. We both liked it a lot. The, the songs music. are very catchy. The songs are so catchy. But then again, we'll probably talk about all those movies after the end of the year. So to talk about the superhero movies, first we're going to talk about The Suicide Squad. I believe both of us have seen the original Suicide Squad movie from mm-hmm. 2016. Um, as it will be no revelation... It's not to best. anybody for me to say that that was a pretty bad movie. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I I think it's not the worst DCEU movie, as a lot of people seem to think it is. I actually liked... I mean, controversially, I think Man of Steel is maybe the worst movie of all of those. And I know a lot of people actually like that movie, so I'm sorry, but it was just all CGI bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> S- sorry. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Suicide Squad was also terrible. Not Not trying to defend that yeah. movie. But the new James Gunn Suicide Squad movie is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. The cast is like just a blast. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't take itself seriously at all, which is maybe the biggest issue with mm-hmm. that first movie. It's all the characters are really fun. Their interactions with each other are incredible. I loved King Shark. King Shark's the best. <laughs> Voiced by Sylvester Stallone. It's just I mean, he's not the same King Shark that's in like the Harley Quinn show cuz I guess like he's a lot smarter. I haven't actually watched that show, but this one is like a very dumb, um, just comedic yeah. relief character. James Gunn certainly seems to like his sympathetic, um, non-human characters. <laughs> yeah, like Groot from Guardians yep, of the exactly. Galaxy, obviously. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. You also had Ratcatcher 2, which is kind of a silly character, but played by Daniela Melchior. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I believe she's a Portuguese actress. And her dad is played by Taika, Taika Waititi. Waititi in yeah. that, yep, in that movie, uh, which is kind of uh, just a fun, unexpected cameo. Mm-hmm. He's not in it much. Uh, you've got Harley Quinn, and I've heard people say that this is their favorite portrayal of uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn so far. And I don't disagree. Yeah, I thought, I would agree um, too. yeah, I thought she was pretty fun in Birds of Prey. I liked that movie. I mean, it wasn't great, but mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy that movie quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't love what they did with her in the original Suicide Squad movie. No, that just was not great. had her fall for Joker all the time. and just, yeah, yeah and it wasn't great. Jared Leto's Joker, we can all agree, was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, Idris Elba as Bloodsport, which is basically the same character as uh, Will Smith's Deadshot, Deadshot? in the yeah. first movie. But, I mean, a different character, but the same character. I don't know. He was, he yeah. was fun in this. John Cena as Peacemaker. Um, there was a fun, like competitive aspect between the two of them because they're both like elite assassin characters yeah and there's without getting into spoilers there's a really fun scene where they're trying to one-up each other mm-hmm. kind of early on in the movie um yeah we both just really enjoyed this movie it was really funny uh I, i've heard some people say they didn't really like how it ended with like the big the big bad but i thought that was kind of uh, a fun twist i actually enjoyed that quite a bit yeah 
Um, and I'm not one who's usually for like big monster CGI battles, but I thought this one was really well done. Anyway, there's sort of a um, surprise appearance from one of the big DC... I mean, I don't know if I should say big. From sort of an infamous DC villain. <laughs> Alright, uh, moving on to the Marvel side. The first Marvel movie that came out this year after being delayed for a long time was Black Widow. We went and saw this in theaters. I, I wasn't super optimistic, mm-hmm. but I still walked out kind of disappointed. And Me too. That's not to say I didn't enjoy aspects of this movie. I thought... The family dynamic in this movie was actually pretty well done. I agree. With Florence Pugh playing the sister character to Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff, mm-hmm. Black Widow, and the parents being David Harbour and Rachel Weisz. They aren't like actually a blood family. I think they're just sort of like all put together. They were used as like covert Russian agents in the US at the beginning of the movie. And then they sort of just split off pretty early on. But I think that aspect of the movie was pretty strong. I really enjoyed Florence Pugh in this movie. Yeah, I'd say not to critique any other part of the movie, but I'd say Florence Pugh's character was the best part of the movie. I agree. Florence Pugh is great in everything I've seen her in. Yeah, great actor. Yep. Um, Midsummer, um, Little Women. Little Women. Yeah, just to name a couple. Mm-hmm. But Florence Pugh is one of the more interesting actors working today. I think she's become one of my favorites um, in the last couple of years. Yeah. But, so, like I mentioned, I did really enjoy that family dynamic, but the other aspects of the movie were pretty weak. It's got, I would say, the least memorable villain in any of the MCU movies. Just dude with a Russian accent who's in the last, like, ten minutes and that's it. I don't (laughs) even remember his name. Neither do I, and that's maybe a sign of how forgettable this villain is. Yeah. The whole third act was just drawn out and completely uninteresting, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I walked out not super happy with this movie overall. More recently, we've had Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, this movie's been getting a lot of hype, and I, I walked out of the movie theater again, sort of mixed, in my opinions, to this movie. On one hand, I think, I mean, it is obviously historic for this to be like, as far as I know, the first major representation of an Asian superhero yeah. in film. And that's great. And I, I, I did really enjoy Simu Liu's performance and the banter with Aquafina. Mm-hmm. I have enjoyed Aquafina in a lot of movies recently. The Farewell was one of the best movies that I saw good. that year. Um, I thought that was an incredible performance. This movie, I thought, had some really cool fight choreography, especially in the first half, where it was like very Jackie Chan-inspired, plus some absurd CGI stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really enjoyed that fight scene on the bus that they've teased in the yeah, trailers. That was probably that was, my favorite scene in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that and then the one at the, I'll just say the fight club without getting into too many details. Yeah. The one outside the fight club. With was, the rails. Yeah, yep. it was a very fun fight scene. I really enjoyed that fight choreography. And then, I guess in the most recent like pre-release trailer, they did tease some of this stuff. I would have preferred to go in without knowing about it. In fact, I did. Sorry. I did go in without knowing about this, but apparently it was in the most recent trailer. Maybe skip ahead by about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear about it. But I thought they did a really great job of incorporating aspects of Chinese mythology into some of like the creature designs that you see in the latter half yeah, of the movie. Yeah, that was so creative. It was very interesting. And then I think where the movie lost some of its intrigue to me was how, in the end, it sort of devolved again into big CGI monster battles. And I completely agree. You've got these like CGI bat-like things just sucking souls kind out of, of people. Yeah, kind that of was dementors just, from Harry Potter. Yeah, very uninteresting to watch, in my opinion. 
Um, I thought it was more interesting when it was grounded to that family relationship. Coming back to that again with like the main villain being the father character, I thought that was a much more interesting dynamic between um, that father character and Simu Liu's Shang-Chi and his sister. Mm-hmm. In all, I thought this was definitely a better movie than Black Widow. I think it falls maybe around the halfway mark as far as the MCU movies, if I were to rank them. Yep. I have ranked them. If you want to check my letterbox list of the MCU movies ranked, I'll plug that letterbox account at the end of this podcast. But overall, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, just again, uh, unfortunately fell into that Marvel trap of kind of bullshit CGI battles that aren't really interesting to watch and don't lend themselves super well to the narrative of the movie. Yeah, the final act was just not the best. Right. That seems to be a thing in a lot of movies. Also, as far as the humor, I think like maybe 40% of the jokes landed, which is maybe not too far off like the norm for Marvel movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were just some, some duds, you know. Okay. Should now that. Talk about Eternals and Spider Man quickly? Yeah, sure. So, uh, upcoming are the Spider-Man Far From Home and Eternals movies. I think they're both supposed to come out... What's it called? Away From Home? You said Far From Home. Sorry, Far From Home was the last one. Um, No Way Home. No Way Home. Yeah, that's the next Spider-Man movie. We've seen trailers for both of those. I believe they're both supposed to come out this year. Mm -hmm. So, it seems like after all the delays, they're just kind of shoving four Marvel movies into the latter half of the year. Yeah, it's... I think it's really fun that we would be getting Spider-Man in December. Like, usually it's, it's kind of Star Wars that you get around Christmas, but this time it's going to be a Spider-Man Christmas. So. Yeah, I, I'm i skeptical. They're, they've announced and, like, teased so many things yeah. for that Spider-Man movie that it just it seems impossible that they'll be able to incorporate all of it and please everybody. I'm skeptical. I did enjoy both of the previous Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Far From Home was a little weaker than Homecoming, but they were both very fun movies. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical. I I'm a big Marvel fan. I've been a big Marvel fan my entire life, and like over the last few years, you've hear, heard people talking about how they're getting kind of marvelled out. They're getting a little Marvel fatigue after all these movies. And I was always like, no, I I'm constantly excited to see these movies. But maybe it's been like the Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus recently. But I'm finally starting to feel that fatigue. Me too. I it's definitely lost a lot of its interest and like the fun for me. Which is really disappointing to me. I love mm-hmm. those characters. I've loved those characters my entire life. But, uh, yeah. And I'm starting to feel the fatigue. Yeah. I know we've talked about how uh, you think, along with a bunch of people, that the DC is more, like, it has more variety. Yeah, and... it's def- I, I definitely think the Marvel movies are better in general. Mm-hmm. But you get a lot more variety in the types of movies you get with the DCEU. And even though a lot of them are bad, it means it's more fresh when you go see a new one. Yeah, and I I feel like that would be a good way to change things up in the Marvel Universe. Right, exactly. Which I think, I mean, I'm not sure, but I feel like Eternals is going to be like that with Chloe Zhao directing, and it looks more serious in a way. I don't don't know know. much about it. but I think from the trailers, it does look like kind of just another Marvel movie from the tone. But that said, I do think um, Chloe Zhao could bring something really special to it. Yeah. Um, Nomadland was my favorite movie last year, so. Just some really great writing. Yeah, let's hope. And I like a lot of those cast members, too. Yeah, like Kit Harington and... Richard Madden from Game of Thrones, two of my favorite Game of Thrones characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani, yeah. Yeah, a lot of great cast members. You got Sama Hayek, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't name everybody, there are too many, but... A lot of great cast members in that mm-hmm. movie, so I'm looking forward to it. Like, even though I said I'm feeling that Marvel fatigue, I'm still probably going to go see all the new movies. It's yeah. just, 
something that's like so core to my interests we've, and my identity. We've gotten this far. I feel like we just have yeah. to stick to it. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's not that much to ask to see like three or four movies a year. No, I I enjoy seeing movies as it is. So yeah, uh, I'll still see them all. Um, I might not always keep up with the the D, the Disney Plus shows, but you know, that's peripheral. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to. Okay. Um, I think that's all as far as like the main content of this episode. But now we're gonna get on to gag lines. Our original trivia game on the We Critique. Gaglines, if you didn't know, is the trivia game about gag-worthy marketing taglines for movies. Casey here is going to quiz me on this episode by giving me three movies. He's going to give me taglines from each of those movies, and I'm going to have to use those taglines to try to guess the film. We're going to start off with five taglines for the first movie, three for the second movie, and then finally on the last movie I will have one marketing tagline to use to try to guess the movie. And we've got, like, sort of a running point system going here where uh, I need to update our scoreboard. So I'll probably try to do that before the next episode. I think I've said that in the past. I'm not good about this. But I need to update the scoreboard so we know who's been doing the best in previous episodes. So um, how the scoring works is on that first movie where there's five taglines, I'll get it. I'll get five points if I get it on the first one. Four points if I get it on the second one, three points on the third one, and so on, until if I only get it on the last clue, I only get one point. Then the points for the second movie are going to be five, then three, then one, and then finally just three points if I can get that final movie on the one tagline. And also, generally, they're going to go from hard to easy in terms of the taglines, how specific they are to that movie and how easy it should be to guess the movie. So, Casey, are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm, well, ready as I'll ever be, I guess. All right. Good luck. Okay, movie number one. Okay. What's my first tagline? In a time of crisis, a hero must arise from his sofa. Interesting. So I, I should also mention, I only get one guess per, per clue here. Yes. In a time of crisis, a hero must arise from his sofa. Interesting. So we've got like a lazy character becoming the hero. That sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Okay, um, my first guess is going to be American Ultra. That is incorrect. Dang it. Okay, you ready for the second? Yeah. Ever felt like you were surrounded by zombies? Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. All right. Nice. Cool. So second guess, uh, or sorry, second clue. So I get four points for that first round. That's, That's off to a good start. Yep. All right. Round two. Okay. Second movie. We like to watch... We like to watch. Huh. Um, the Eternals. I, that's a bad guess, but... No. Okay. All the world's a stage. Oh, okay. Is this the Truman Show? It is. You're nice. You're doing very well. Cool. So three points for round two. Okay. Final movie. One clue to guess it. Two for two. Okay. Why do men act like boys? Because they can what (laughs) why do men act like boys because they can't hmm no i'll give you a different one that's kind of just like that could be anything okay all right big game big ears big game big ears it's making me think i'm thinking about like space jam right now because you got bugs bunny is this the same movie as the other clue no it's not Oh, okay. Yeah. In that case, oh, is this going to be the... 
Okay, I'm thinking Space Jam. I don't know if I want to go for the first movie or the or the new one. <sighs> big game, big ears. I guess I'm going to go Space Jam, A New Legacy, if that's what it's called. No, it's actually Hop. <laughs> Hop? The yeah. movie about the, the, like, Easter, the Easter Bunny? bunny? <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I couldn't have gotten that one. Anyway... I got four points from the first round, three points from the second round, and zero points for that third round, so that's seven points total. I'll have to update that scoreboard before I know how I land against myself, KC, and Ian, I believe, have all played the game. I feel like you would be in the lead if you got the first two right on round one, so... Well, I didn't get the first one right on round one. That was on round two. Or, sorry, the second clue. Oh, yeah, okay. But, anyway, that that, that went pretty well. Um, We'll see how how I scored. But, that said, I think we're... Reaching the end of this episode of the We Critique Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Casey. Thank you for having me. Anytime, bro, anytime. Uh, I'll quickly plug the email for the show if you want to write in and give us any feedback for us to read on the show or just to read privately and, you know, if you want to give any support, I appreciate it. Um, We do this for fun, not for any sort of success or anything, but, you know, if people are listening, it's nice to hear about it. Mm -hmm. So, that said, if you want to send an email... The address is theweekcritique at gmail.com, spelled the same way as in the title of the podcast. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Cade Marks. Or uh, if you want to see any more of my movie impressions or reviews, you can check me out on Letterboxd at Cinemarks, C-I-N-E-M-A-R-K-S. What about you, Casey? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd also at C-Movies, C-M-O-V-I-E-Z. Cool. So, thanks everybody for joining us. Play some games, watch some films, and above all, have a wonderful week. See you guys.